Well, Alec Murdoch had a big day in court today. The prosecutors in the Chad Day Bell case, well, they want to do the trial in Fremont County. And um, Kayla Armstrong, not surprising, two-hour guilty verdict. And a mistrial has been declared in the case regarding the ex-officer involved the death of Brianna Taylor and our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. And remember to hit that little bell for notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can always listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. So, if you haven't noticed, we are not in the Crime Talk studio. That's right. We departed yesterday for lovely Las Vegas for the Formula One race. Well, it turned out by the time we got to our seat yesterday, guess what? A whole eight minutes of actual racing and, well, it was pretty much canceled. They resumed about 2 a.m., 2.30, but they wouldn't let anybody there. Guess what? I was in bed by that time. So hopefully tonight, a little more action. We'll keep you updated. Otherwise, we're going to have to report that a crime has been committed, and that's called theft for basically a bad event. Well, just kidding. All right, let's get to the docket for November 17th, 2023. And first on the docket, Alec Murdoch. He had a big day in court today. What happened? You may ask. Well, let me tell you. The trial, as it relates to the financial crimes, one of the some 17 cases that was uh, going to commence uh, in just a couple of weeks as it relates to the Alec Murdoch case, he wound up pleading guilty to all of those cases and he resolved it. And by my count, there were 17 cases where he is going to plead guilty, a sundry of charges, a breach of the trust over $100,000, money laundering, multiple breaches of trust, computer crimes, as well as conspiracy. And the ultimate sentence of all of those cases, a combined 27-year sentence that he is going to have to serve, he being Alec Murdoch. Now, what is the significance of this? Well, first, he knew he was going to be convicted if he went to trial because during the murder case where Alec Murdoch got up and testified to, he admitted to all of these crimes. So yes, it was kind of perfunctory to go through the trial. And Alec Murdoch did state that he was glad for the opportunity to be able to plead guilty because he hadn't been given that opportunity before. No, sir. Other than I'm glad to finally be given the opportunity to, to plead guilty. And I am happy to be pleading guilty to these charges for a number of reasons. Clearly, the state probably figured we got to deal with this murder case and all those issues come with that. Let's wrap this case up. And so they've agreed to the 27 years. Now, the sentencing is going to be on November 28th at 10 a.m. That's Eastern time. And basically, the judge has already said that he is going to accept the 27-year deal. But since this all was completed in somewhat short notice, um, if you watched the hearing live, you knew there were several hours where nothing was taking place. Well, apparently, this deal had been in the works, but they got to do the paperwork. They had to have Alec Murdoch review it, sign it. Basically, 
go back and sell it to the judge as well to go through the uh, guilty plea colloquy where the prosecutor outlined the factual basis for all the crimes. Alec Murdoch admitted to the factual basis to all those crimes. And like I said, he's going to get 27 years. Now, one of the things that Alec Murdoch had to do to go forward today was first, he had to withdraw his motion to um, ask that the judge recuse himself. As you may recall, the uh, judge, Judge Newman, in this particular case, um, has already recused himself from hearing any post-conviction issues related to the uh, homicide trial that took place earlier this year. And he has to do that. He's a witness to the case. He would have observed the clerk who's alleged to have gauged in alleged misconduct during that time period. He is a potential witness. And I don't even think it has to do with his extrajudicial statements that he made after the case, knowing full well that he was going to be presiding in front of Alec Murdoch on this particular case. So that one's done. And so he had to withdraw his uh, uh, motion. Alec Murdoch had to withdraw that motion so that the judge could accept his guilty plea. Makes sense. Perfunctory. Doesn't matter. 27 years. He's going to go. And here's the other stipulation. He's going to do 85% of that sentence. So do the math. 85%, 27 years. He's going to be in there probably for the rest of his life and not get out. And although it wasn't clear, you have to assume that this will be consecutive to his homicide conviction where he's already serving multiple life sentences. The reality of it is Alec Murdoch is going to die in prison. What else took place? Alec Murdoch, to plead guilty to this, had to agree to restitution to be determined. Not a big deal. It's not like he's ever going to pay it back. And any monies that have been recovered through the firm or insurance have more than likely already been paid. Additionally, he had to waive his right to appeal anything that took place in these 17 cases as it relates to the plea. And he had to waive any post-conviction remedies that he may have to address ineffective assistance of counsel issues down the year. So that's done. What that means is these cases are all done. So big day for Alec Murdoch. And um, ultimately, we're going to be moving on uh, from his case after the 28th as it relates to the financial crimes. Now, we still have to have the hearing as it relates to the alleged misconduct by the clerk in the homicide case. And hey, as the news happens, we will bring it to you. All right. Next on the docket, what is it with these prosecutors in Idaho? As you may recall, when the case with Lori Vallow and Chad Day Bell originated, the judge basically said there's no way he's going to get a fair trial in Madison counties. So they moved the case to Ada County and, well, Lori Vallow got her fair trial and that was it. They were able to find people that were not familiar with the case. Or if they did have some familiarity with the case, they basically said, I can still be fair and impartial and listen to all the evidence in the case, whereupon she was properly convicted. Well, now the prosecutors are saying, hey, let's send that case back to Madison County. There's no reason why we can't find a fair and impartial jury down in Madison County because, hey, frankly, everybody's heard about all this. Everybody's seen the publicity. What is it really going to matter? And the arguments are pretty straightforward in the uh, motion, but basically they're saying the uh, due to the significant changes in circumstances, uh, the information and timing that were in existence at the uh, time the change of venue was initially granted, the state would request that the court reconsider its order from October 8th of 2021 
and keep the trial in uh, Fremont County. Or in the alternative, uh, this court reconsider a transfer to a venue closer, less saturated, and a less expensive venue. What do we always say here, ladies and gentlemen? One of the 12 undeniable truths from a criminal defense attorney is it's always about the money. And guess what? That's really what it comes down to in this particular case, a less expensive venue. Ada County is on the other side of the state, and Madison Fremont counties are on the eastern part of the state. It's expensive. Logistically, it's tough for the prosecutor to get there, and they are paying the bill. So all this other stuff about, hey, don't worry about it. Um, the time has passed. It's always about the money. And next, once again, even though Chad Daybell wants cameras in the courtroom, the prosecution is saying no. What are their arguments for it? The right to the um, public and media access to the courtroom is presumed, but does not include unfettered use of recording equipment. And basically, they acknowledge that they, being the prosecutors, acknowledge that everybody's entitled to it. But hey, doesn't mean you have to get video of it. And frankly, um, it's just going to create more problems. Uh, the uh, pretrial publicity will impede the ability uh, of the parties to pick a fair and impartial jury. Well, we know that doesn't work because there was all kinds of media coverage before as it relates to the Lori Vallow case, and they found the verdict or they found the jury that could come to a verdict. I know if you're wrapped up in the case or you follow true tribe cases, you think everybody does this. But guess what? There's lots of people out there that don't even read the news or they get their news from some other uh, news organization that doesn't talk about crime. A lot of people avoid it. I know people that want to avoid what's going on in the world. Guess what? They are the perfect jurors, right? What do they say? I had a law professor say years ago, a juror, 12 people, good and true, otherwise unemployable. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I want to be on a jury. But what it means is you find people that really just don't pay attention to most of the real world out there. So the uh, prosecution also notes that uh, visual broadcasting is not necessary for a transparent and public trial. Uh, basically, they, they say in the event that the court does not decide to uh, follow its previous order, the state requested the hearing that no media microphones be placed at council table. Okay, fine. And that the court consider alternatives to live visual broadcasting such as photography. Now, the court did say that in one of its orders, uh, as it relates to this, it's going to basically be on their YouTube channel. Put it out there. The light is the best disinfectant. Let us see what horrible crimes Chad DeBell has been accused of by the prosecution, and let's see if they can prove it. They more than likely will be able to do that. Why does the prosecution, why is it always the government that doesn't want the world to see what they're doing and how they're doing it? Any good prosecutors say, come on in here. We're going to show you our evidence and we're going to convict Chad Daybell uh, with the burden of proof, of proof beyond a reasonable doubt, the highest form of proof known in the law, and we are going to do it willingly and let the world see that it be done. I don't like it when prosecutors don't want cameras in the courtroom. And next on the docket, there was a mistrial declared in the case of the former Louisville Metropolitan Police Department officer Brett Hankinson, who was involved in the death of Brianna Taylor. Now, Hankinson and two other officers 
Miles Cosgrove and Jonathan Mattingly um, entered into Taylor's residence on a no-not war as part of a drug investigation, going back to Brianna Taylor's boyfriend. Well, while the person they were looking for did not end up living in the home, Taylor's boyfriend, a guy by the name of Kenneth Walker, uh, thought it was a break-in and fired his gun. One of the officers was hit in the thigh, and the police fired back at least 20 shots. Well, ultimately, the attorney general looked at it, and uh, no charges were filed against Cosgrove and Manley because the investigation showed, according to the attorney general and the grand jury agreed, that Manley and Cosgrove were justified in their return of deadly fire after having been fired upon by Kenneth Walker. Well, assault and attempted murder of a police officer charges against Walker were later dismissed with prejudice back in 2021. Now, Hankinson faced three counts of wanton endangerment for allegedly firing 10 bullets into Taylor's apartment. Three of his shots pierced her apartment wall and entered a neighbor's apartment, according to the police. He was acquitted of the charges in March of 2022. But then in August of 2022, two civil rights charges were brought against Hankinson, alleging that he willfully used unconstitutionally excessive force while acting in his official capacity as an officer when he fired his service weapon into Taylor's apartment. You see this happen a lot. An officer gets charged in state court. They don't prevail. Sometimes they do. Then they get filed in federal court as well. That's what took place here. So as the jury was deliberating, apparently it got quite cantankerous. The uh, marshals had to go in several times because the witnesses or the jurors of voices were getting a little out of hand uh, while they were deliberating and uh, heard lots of elevated voices. So ultimately, the uh, judge was informed that the jury was at an impasse. The judge gave them um, an Allen instruction, which says, hey, go back and try again. See if you can't resolve uh, your differences. Listen to what the other people has to say. Be willing to change your mind if you think it's not there, but don't compromise if you don't think that it's uh, uh, justified in doing so. Ultimately, the jury said we're at a deadlock and a mistrial has been declared. Now, uh, if Hankinson uh, was convicted, he faced a maximum sentence of life in prison. Um, no word on yet whether the prosecution is going to go for a retrial. Well, we have a quick update for you as it relates to the uh, jury that uh, was hearing the charges of Caitlin Armstrong. Well, guess what? It only took her two hours to be convicted unanimously by a jury. They now go on to the um, sentencing phase. But like I said, two hours for a trial that's gone on for two weeks. Pretty overwhelming evidence. I don't think anybody expected a different result. Now, part of me is thinking, hey, why didn't she just plead guilty, right? That's what a lot of people think. If she's guilty, why did she just plead guilty? Well, she doesn't have to. And more than likely, the offer was plead guilty, go to prison for the rest of your life. So a lot of people say, well, I can get that by going to trial and losing. And perhaps there will be some error created down the way in the trial that maybe there's an issue on appeal. It comes back five, six, seven, eight years later. Then you go on to post-conviction relief saying, ah, oh, but attorney that I love that day, is the biggest bag of trash. Uh, if he had just called us one witness, it all would have been different. So that's what some people th think. Basically, 
it's like that scene from Dumber and Dumber. So what you're saying is we still got a chance, right? No. Anyway, Armstrong, uh, uh, like I said, we'll see how the uh, sentencing phase goes. But you know as well as I do, uh, she is going to prison. Uh, she is the one that uh, uh, shot uh, uh, Mo Wilson, Mariah Mo Wilness, Wilson, um, in the head and in the heart and then fled the country. Flight, ladies and gentlemen, is consciousness of guilt. If she was innocent, why would she be running away? It's that simple. All right. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Check out this pedicab driver that was dressed as the Joker for Halloween. Well, turned out he was also packing a 9mm handgun and he's facing some felony charges after allegedly beating a female customer during a Halloween fair dispute down in Orlando, Florida. So please meet Brandon Juwan Morris. Uh, he threw the victim on the ground and then rummaged through her belongings and removed cash from her purse to make sure that he got paid. Now, this incident allegedly occurred about 2.15 in the morning. What do they say? Nothing good happens between midnight and 5 a.m. Here's an exhibit A for your example. So apparently, and it occurred across from the uh, city hall there in Orlando, and apparently 11 separate 911 calls were made because it was quite disturbing. So it turns out that uh, Morris and a woman by the name of Deborah Smoot apparently argued about a $15 charge. When the police arrived at the scene, Smoot was found on the ground crying and yelling, and she appeared to have swollen legs, which were reddish. Now, Smoot described her assailant as a black man dressed as the Joker with the word damaged on his forehead. Now, um, two witnesses gave uh, statements uh, as it relates to uh, the situation corroborating uh, Smoot's account of being thrown on the ground and uh, having her money liberated, uh, so to speak. Anyway, Morris uh, was quickly apprehended while still in the area on his petty cab, and he claimed not to recall any altercations uh, this evening and um, constantly stated that he doesn't put his hands on anyone. Well, needless to say, when they searched Mr. Morris, they discovered a pistol on his army green crossband bag around his uh, body, and it was loaded and had a magazine in it and a round chambered. So having a loaded gun with a uh, magazine loaded and a round in the chamber, not necessarily illegal, but I assure you it definitely gets police officers' attention because basically you are locked and loaded and ready to go. Anyway, Mr. Morris was charged with a battery, which is a misdemeanor, but two felonies as it relates to robbery. That's right, taking something from a, another person, kind of strong-armed, um, and while well, in the possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. So for that $15 petty cab ride dispute, he is now looking to go to prison and um, had to pay a bond of $10,500 to get out. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for joining us from Las Vegas. We will be back in the Crime Stock Studios next week. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time.